This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what, is, of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And his faith, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he commended the world, he condemned the world, sorry, and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with, founda with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reckoned that God would even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's children and worshipped 
as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, he persevered because he saw him who, was invis who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to, uh, tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them seven for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were many others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may, might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These are all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what has been promised, since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Pause for breath for a moment <laughs> and say a prayer. Only Father, thank you so much for this exciting 
chapter in this amazing book. As we look at it now, Lord, and as we reflect on the reading, we pray, Lord, that you would open our ears, that we may hear, open our minds that we would be willing to listen, not to the words, Lord, not to my words, but to yours. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this amazing chapter, Hebrews 11, has been described as the faith chapter of the Bible. Not surprising, really. I did a quick count-up, and I've lost the piece of paper. Wouldn't you know it? I did a quick count up and I discovered that there are 516 occasions in the Bible where the word faith is is mentioned and there are something like um, 42 times mentioned in the book of Hebrews but there are 28 in this chapter alone. So faith is what we're talking about this evening. Inevitably we're going to be talking about faith Um, and I shall invite you to perhaps... Think about contributing a little bit later on, but by perhaps sharing a personal view on the faith that you have recognised in other people who have been features of your lives and your experience. But before we get to that, and before we think about a broader view of Christian faith, it's right that we should actually think about this chapter primarily in the context of our whole study of the letter to the Hebrews. Remember, these are Jewish people who have converted to Christianity. And the writer to the Hebrews, who we do not know, we've never identified him, is trying to encourage these who are, if you like, at risk of going back to Jewish ways because the Jewish life was so so all-encompassing. Over these last weeks, we've, we've read about aspects of Jewish thinking and, uh, thinking and practice which over centuries had shaped their understanding of God. We've thought a lot about the person of Jesus and about him being the once and for all sacrifice provided by God himself. And that... And he and his actions, that sacrifice, replaces the entire sacrificial system which was so much part of the Hebrew culture and history over many centuries. So now as we head towards the conclusion of this book, this amazing book, we've reached a kind of crescendo and we're going to learn about faith. (laughs) My dictionary tells me that faith is an unquestioning belief that does not require proof or evidence. Well, okay, that's fine. But actually, I think that Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, give us a far better definition of faith, a far better working definition. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Then goes on to say, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
And after that definition, from verse 4 from, to verse 38, well, this is characterised by what has been called God's Hall of Fame. <laughs> another, another author has, has referred to it as the Westminster Abbey of Scripture. <laughs> it's a summary of Old Testament people, many of whom are well known to us from our own readings, and it's a summary of those people and the part of, that faith played in their lives and in their God-given roles. The emphasis, of course, is on faith. And most of the names are prefixed, by, prefixed with by faith. It's almost as if that was part of their name, as if it was a kind of an honorary title. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. And so on. I'm not going to keep on saying by faith. But then there's reference to Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then a group of people. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the prostitute Rahab was saved. In spite of the fact that she was part of the enemy camp. But she helped and then, of course, we read of Gideon and Barak and so on and so on. And then after this long list of names, there's a concluding statement, which I just love. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation, a very modern translation of the Bible, and it says this. Referring back to all of these people that we've heard about, and it says this, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole. Their lives of faith not complete, separate or apart from ours. Isn't that lovely? We can look at this chapter from our perspective too, of course and remind ourselves of our heritage and our hope. Faith is being sure, having confidence in what we hope for, and being certain, having assurance, about what we do not see. It's not hope which looks forward with a wistful longing. It's hope which looks forward with utter conviction, that's what faith is. Faith is an important word in the rest of the Bible as well. Faith is vitally important for us as we read the Bible, as we seek to understand it as part of, of Christ's redeemed people. Ephesians chapter 2 says, we are saved by faith. In Romans 1, we live by faith. Romans 4, we receive righteousness by faith. Romans 5, we're justified by faith. 1, 2 Corinthians 1, we stand firm in our belief by faith. Galatians, we receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. And in 1 Timothy 1, we do God's will by faith. Living by faith brings its own great moments and all of us, all of us have knowledge 
we have experience of great triumphs of faith in which God has intervened in miraculous ways in personal lives and in the lives of those whom we know or have read about. But there are other times when faith has brought suffering. God does not always rescue us from appalling situations. Isaiah 55 says, God's God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes throughout history, his silence and his absence has been very obvious at times when one might hope for his intervention. That's not always the way God works. But surely it's right for us always to remember that God has planned something better for us. And that certain knowledge is at the heart of the thing that God calls faith. I read an account of persecution of early Christians and of the willingness of Christians to face appalling torture and death rather than renouncing their newly found faith in Jesus. That That their truth which God had implanted in their hearts was so compelling that it overcame any rational human decision towards self-preservation. A humble and very poor Christian man was brought before a judge. And he said to the court, the young man said to the court, there is nothing that they could do to him which would shake him because he believed that if he was true to God, then God would be true to him. Do you really think, asked the judge, that someone like you will go to God and his glory? And the man said, I do not think so, judge. I know. I know. And that actually becomes our testimony too, doesn't it? We can spend time reading our Bibles diligently. We can come to church regularly. We can learn all the churchy stuff that most of us take for granted, but which visitors and newcomers might take, might need time and help to get used to and to understand. We can learn all the hymns and we can, we can even begin to recognise the beauty of the words as we sing them. We can immerse ourselves in learning and in belonging. We can feel comfortable in what we sometimes refer to as fellowship. We can develop and we can gain an appearance of Christianity, and we can do it quite convincingly too. But it's only when we as individuals have a personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus, when we discover for ourselves that Jesus is alive, and and that we are forgiven from all of the stuff that we've kept secret, It's only then, and it's only when we discover that we are deeply, deeply, deeply loved in that very moment of personal revelation, it is then, and only then, that we can say with all of our hearts and with all of our conviction, I know 
I know. Not I believe, not I trust or being a Christian makes good sense or I've made an intellectual choice. But I know. And that is when the paper definition of faith becomes a reality. It's the point at which we have confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's the time when we understand that discoveries of quarks and Higgs bosons and pulses and black holes do not detract from the fact that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is, what is visible. And it's that point at which faith changes from being a sort of abstract verb to being a noun. It's also the point at which Christianity is no longer a religion. It's a relationship. Thank you, Lord, that it is your grace which shows us and which leads us and gives us opportunity to reach a point for our own selves, a point at which we can say, I know, I know. I wonder if any of us have got something they'd like to add, something, perhaps an experience or a person who has, whose faith has been a blessing and an inspiration. I can see several folk here whose faith has been an inspiration to me. And surely that's part of being in fellowship with each other because we support and encourage each other. Interesting, right? I was praying about this yesterday um, and I thought we're almost certainly not going to have a musician so um, we won't have music but I thought to myself, if we did, I think I would want to sing this and I actually printed out the words men of faith rise up and sing. Isn't that brilliant? Thank you, Martin, (laughs) for, for choosing that hymn for us. You are st- just. I, I want to. Perhaps we can. I can just finish with this. Just the, the, the words of the opening verse of that hymn. Men of women, uh, men and women of faith, rise up and sing of the great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak. In your brokenness, complete. Thank you, Lord. That our faith says.
I know. Amen. <laughs>